All right, and we are back. We're back with another episode of the vet, the bet, the casual. You know, I'm feeling good. We had a nice fight night 14 in Vegas. How'd you feel about that one? I mean, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. It's funny. I mean, we, we pride ourselves on doing so well on prelims, but wouldn't you say that was one of our best main cards in a long, long time? If, if not the best ever, I mean, we, we went perfect on that main card, so I don't know how you could actually do better, but... Uh, Your boy was, was trying to eat a humble showing. piece of pie here. Come on, man. I'm trying, <laughs> trying to be humble here, but yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll feed that to you when it's necessary, but right now it ain't necessary. So, you know, we're smashing. Last week was actually wonderful. The only, you know, in terms of posted plays, we did end up going four and four, but we hit the hammer at the end. It was a big one. It was a parlay of Dos Anjos and Crawford in boxing, which was kind of done instantaneously. That was a beautiful play. Uh, in terms of actual picks, the only one that kind of threw us for a wrench was Randa Marcos. Otherwise, you know, it was calling Chaos to win, calling Yotter to win. Strickland was a beautiful call. You know, he dominated Brendan mm -hmm. Allen, and that was, mm -hmm. a, you know, a beautiful display. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it was it was actually a very successful card overall. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to quickly do my best here at uh, listing off the few things that I took away from that. Uh, so, Strickland, for one, going all the way to a plus 100 closing number uh, against Brendan Allen without much of that experience. I told you, Pies, like this kid was considered to be on that elite train uh, in his UFC career before everything happened. So, you know... Really well done with that one. Chaos Williams, funny story I told you. You know, I was eating fucking garlic bread when I was trying to lay the first round finish and KO, and it grayed out on me, and then boom, it happened. My mouth is stuffed, my hands are greasy as fuck, and I'm obviously pissed as hell that my amazing night you went full into. scully and hitchcock on that one. <laughs> well and, and i'm i'm very much known for a scully hitchcock i do scully hitchcocks all the time if you look at my keyboard i mean like i can basically tell you my last four meals <laughs> well hopefully that garlic bread was worth it that that knockout from chaos was crazy coming in at you know a near plus 200 that was a beautiful call. Yotter was phenomenal. Uh, you know, the first two rounds were kind of back and forth, but that third round, she really took over, displayed mm -hmm. that dominance. She came in at a nice plus 130, so that was a beautiful hit as well. Yeah, let's give a quick little shout out to Ashley for a few things. Uh, one, for liking our comments and replying to us on Instagram. Two, for actually showing up exactly how we said she would last week. I mean, she was pounded against. Let's be honest, in terms of just actual mm -hmm. straight picks, if you go on average of any major site that had, say, between five to ten writers, I can guarantee you on average less than 20% of those people were picking Yarder to win. Pies, who did we pick to win on the day of the recording the otter 100 and we were definitely the minority in that one thank you for the suspense pause as well before that but yes my point is, is that women's mma is really different now and some of these fighters who have fought very good competition but might not have the record to show it are getting good chances now Random Marcos. You know, we're calling this now the uh, Beaver Bias. Hashtag Beaver Bias. We kind of, our last two losses, Pies. Let's be real. We have two losses in our last two cards, and both of them are Canadians. Are Canadians. Randa, Tanner, get your shit together. We love y'all. Best of luck next time. Yeah, and to be honest, I, I feel for Marcos because she was outmatched from the weigh-ins. The moment we saw what a beast she was looking like, we are like, yeah, Rand is in a little bit of trouble. <laughs>
what I was really impressed with is her line didn't move crazily. She, you know, I saw plus one sixty two, then it went down to plus one fifty, and then back up to plus one sixty two, and then everyone caught the, I guess, uh, pre, uh, I guess pre pre fight uh, weigh ins and face offs, and then it jumped up to a plus one seventy, and you know, we saw what happened. Yeah, Kanako is no joke, but uh, even, you know, the Corey McKenna call, that was beautiful. I know you're very high on her. Ooh. You know, women's fighting in general is, is just a beautiful thing going oh, forward. Pies, I'm really sorry. I, I actually, I'm not going to lie. We, we had to focus so much on this week's card that I kind of forgot about her. And can we give that girl a, like, like, let's go back to her analysis, right? Like, let's break this down as just, you know, we, we, we broke it down as a, a, a borderline Corbier, you know, decorated wrestler, really, really good, you mm-hmm. know, highlight reel and Invicta, which was like kind of like Cormier's strike force. And just we know the the talent and it wasn't raw. There was a lot of technique to this ferocity. But then we have this, you know, European fighter coming in with this, you know, very, very impressive striking that we saw in the contender series. And that's what opens my eyes. I always told you, Pies, I always told you, a person that can hit your chin nine times out of 10 and keep their head up without taking many blows is a is an MMA striker's dream. Because that means they're mm-hmm. definitely not afraid of getting hit. And they probably are able to deal with some takedowns. And yeah, I think you summed it up perfectly. Cause you know, as a, a, a casual slash, you know, increasing watcher, you know, originally I'm like, man, Kay Hansen is landing a lot. You know, she's throwing a lot more. She's working the takedowns. But if you dive, you know, a little bit more in depth into what's mm-hmm. actually landing in terms of the depth of punch, what you're actually doing when you have position on the ground, you know, McKenna was a lot more effective throughout that fight. It might not have been quantity, mm-hmm. but the quality was there. And you know what's hilarious is you took the words right out of my mouth. It was what she showed on the ground that I loved. She was able to reverse at the right times. I mean, mm-hmm. would you not make the point that in the third round, her reversing that takedown and scoring the top won her the fight? It won her the fight. And to won be honest, Kenny Florian Absolutely. thought that she definitely lost that fight. He laughed at that judging. And to be honest, when I looked at that fight, it played out exactly how I thought it would. If it went five rounds, I don't think Kay mm-hmm. Hansen stood a chance, if I'm being very real. I think McKenna had the grinder mentality. She was not phased yeah. at any moment of that fight. And you have to kind of give her the hat tip for that. I was I was blown away. If the, That was the fight that had me on my feet. Hand to God, that was my favorite fight of the night. Yeah, it, it was honestly, it was crazy to see that, you know, just the timing of her reversing, even when she was on the ground on the bottom, you know, she, she's landing the bows, you know what I mean? She's landing the elbows, the the punches, like she was a lot more effective, even though that takedown time is building for, for Kay Hansen. Well said, man. Like, honestly, I'm so fired up after that conversation. I mean, thank you for bringing up my girl, uh, McKenna. And, you know, big shout out to Kay Hansen. Like, I- I- I've been boosting you too. And I'm just excited for women's MMA in general. Yeah, that, that, that was a wonderful fight to see. Both girls put it on the line. So, you know, let's let's tailor that excitement and go right into this card. It's going to be a beautiful one. There's not too <laughs> many cards where I look at the lineup and I'm like, ooh, I probably know any of these fighters. So, <laughs> given that, I, you know, my I'm pumped. I'm pumped. So... Let's jump right into it. The first one we got is uh, Akachi Brother. We watched them on the Contender Series. I think we took both of them on the Contender Series. So, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing him fight. He's fighting Sasha Palatnikov. 
a dude out of Hong Kong, which actually surprised me given the name, but um, you know, <laughs> yeah. this is a great way. <laughs> you know, I was not expecting it. I know, event, I but, know. <laughs> you know, it's a great way to kick off the card. It's so funny because I honeymooned in Vegas and I know the flag so well. Or sorry, honey, I honeymooned in Hong Kong and I know the flag so well. I, was, I hope you did not honeymoon <laughs> yeah. in Vegas. I bachelored in Vegas. And I mean, Paul, <laughs> Paul Felder just fought and uh, Mike Perry just fought. That was, uh, or Mike Perry's about to fight. Those are two guys that uh, we did see fight each other. But sticking to this fight, uh, yeah, you know, I was a little taken back by, by that too. I thought it was a mistake initially, but no, he spent most of his life there. Um, funny enough, he did actually spend some time training with Rashad Evans uh, with the Black Zillions back when they were kind of like one of the bigger camps uh, down in Florida. Mm. But again, uh, settling down out there he's become a champion uh, for a small organization he's now gotten his chance to be in the ufc what i think here is contender series fighters are starting to get really good bump you know the koshi brothers unfortunately we're not going to get to see both of them fight um but mm. you know it, it, it's still a 7-0 fighter making his ufc debut uh, i he was an underdog then i don't think he's going to be an underdog now and I know you want to turn the, these odds things into a, you know, an official game. So we'll, we'll get you to just, you know, excitedly break that down. But the one thing I did want to add about uh, Palatnikov is just he's got such an incredible story, uh, you know, in terms of injuries and debt and going to jail. You know, he was basically taken down for a robbery. Uh, you know, he, he, there's definitely, you know, his side to story type of thing that he's tired of telling. But you know, to then now go to being, you know, an Asian promotion oh, champion. Crazy. Yeah, yeah, it's, 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 it's an incredible story. Uh, we can read that's up on nuts. that together. Yeah, we can read up on that together, maybe put something out about that. But, uh, you know, distance striker who's going to be looking to do that, I think he's kind of dangerous. So, you know, I think for how I believe the odds are going to look, I think my pick is going to be very exciting. So, you know, you want to explain that wonderful game that right, you want so, to the odds to? So yeah, so, you know, in terms of odds this week, I, you know, I'm uh, – you know, I'm going to try and ruffle some feathers and hold you a little bit more accountable to your odds. So mm -hmm. let's let's turn this into a game here, okay? Mm -hmm. And in terms of odds, you know, I'm going to get you to pitch what you believe the odds are. And we're going to give you a range of 35 basis points on either side. So mm -hmm. you say minus 110 and it mm -hmm. ends up being minus 145. You still mm -hmm. hit that, okay? Mm -hmm. I think 35 is a, is a fair range. Mm -hmm. uh, if we are moving up to anything over minus 250, I'm going to give you a 50 basis range because I think, mm -hmm. that, you know, those end up being a little bit more extreme. And let's see kind of what the numbers look like at the end. So. Great. For, so let's kick it off. I have a request. I have a request. Can we do a hundred point range since I'm doing both fighters, or is that outrageous? That's outrageous, right? Hundred points is outrageous. That's outrageous. I get it. Too much. Too yeah. much. <laughs> <laughs> nice try. <laughs> right. so, so I respect. The let's 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 go universally fifty. Oh, look, let's just go universally fifty. Sure. And we'll just do sure. both sides. So we'll call underdog. We'll call favorite. And we'll just try to guess the line within 50. I'm actually, you know, I'm only going to, I'm, I'm going to hold you accountable on the range of the favorite. Because with the dog, you know, 50, it really shortens when you're, when you're taking the dog. Mm -hmm. So your range will depend on the favorite. Cool. Okay. So, you know, we'll have some fun with the dog then is what you're saying. And then we'll kind of like hold my, hold me accountable yeah. for, for, for the favorite. So let's actually then start with the favorite. I do believe it's Koshi. I, I think there's, there's no doubt in my mind that an, an American fighter, uh, who knocks people out in the first round fighting in vegas is going to get the knock on you know what is <laughs> seems to be a nobody to an american group fan base so mm. let's even see something like a minus 250 a minus 300 
type of thing because I, I mean the minus three hundred. What's your number? Like, I need your number. Right, right. I minus minus three hundred seems like a stretch. So I mean, I'm gonna have to say something like minus two eighty. Oh, I should have stuck to your gut. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so he's a minus three seventy, three hundred. I, I would have given that one to you. Mm-hmm. That would have been in the mm-hmm. range. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, he does come in at a minus three seventy, mm-hmm. massive, massive. That's favorite. ridiculous. Because Paisan, I'm gonna tell you right now. From what I saw, I think Plenikov can maybe take a punch here because that's what seems to be what's necessary of him. And to be that much of a dog, like we know what a minus 350, a minus 400 favorite should look like. And unless I'm going to, you know, stick my foot in my mouth here, I'm look. if I'm looking at, I'm hoping, like I, right now I have a plus 160, a plus 170 written down, but like I'm assuming we're now looking at odds at more of a plus 200, plus 220? Plus 300, 300, 300. Wow, plus 300 and then minus 300. That's what you're mm-hmm. saying right now. Yeah, uh, pies. No, minus 370. Wow, wow. I'm going to tell you right now, that's a sprinkle. Like, I'm sorry. I'm sure that the knockout is minus 200. So, you know, there's no, there's nothing there but the under in a parlay. So, yeah, let's move on from that. Platnikov, best of luck. I mean, all the power to you after, you know, making your way to the U.S. and training with some big boys in the UFC and going through everything you did, you know, this is a big fight for you based on a minus 370 favorite. I mean, I'm shocked by that. I'm definitely shocked by that. Um, I'm, I'm excited to yeah, see how we that might plays see, out. We might see some value on the Hong Kong man there. Wow, I'm, I'm actually very much, you know, like I, if I could pick like a third country to be from, it would definitely be Hong Kong. So let's get it. <laughs> That's very controversial, actually. So I'm going to keep that to myself. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And that takes us into the next fight. That is Kyle Dawkins versus Dustin Stolsis. And uh, yeah, so, you know, Kyle's <laughs> coming in off of a loss here. He's going to be looking to rebound. Uh, Dustin's been hot fire. I mean, he's coming in win after win after win. He's 13 and one. Both these guys have stellar records, nine and one versus 13 and one. Uh, Yeah. So what what do you see here? Uh, Man, my favorite is when you say the names like they're questions. Like, I just love when that happens. It's so (laughs) funny to me. Uh, But yeah, Stolfus, I mean, here's here's where I I really break this fight down. Dawkins, right? Where do we know him from? We know him from fighting Brendan Allen. Um, And that was was a decision loss. That's his most recent loss, right? mm -hmm. And, and, Mm -hmm. you know, Brendan Allen at the time before losing to our boy Sean Strickland, you know, he was coming off finishing Tom Breeze and Kevin Holland. So he was riding a huge wave going into that fight. And our boy here, Kyle Dawkins, was able to push him to a decision. So that's something to consider, right? His grappling is really good. He's a UFC-level grappler. Mm. He's a good wrestler. But Stolfus, I mean, like, Stolfus is an absolute monster when it comes to striking. Um, he's undefeated okay. as a middleweight in Europe. His UFC debut on, on Dana White's Contender Series was very good. I know it was controversial, but... I mean, I see good grappling. I just see good skills all around. I like the aggression. I like that he keeps the the fight close and he's technically sound. It just, it makes him dangerous in all these like little areas that you expect people to make mistakes. And that's what makes him very scary. But like I said, Doc is elite wrestler, UFC level ready, grappler, wrestler, had an undefeated record going into that fight against uh, Brendan Allen. And so he's going to have some good size. 
I just, I think this fight's a lot closer than the last one we talked about. So, if we're playing your game here, I mean, calling the- Hang on, we'll jump into the game. We'll jump into the game. Okay, I have okay. a question for you. Yeah, tell me. How is uh, Dustin on the ground? How, how's his grappling? How's his wrestling? Yeah, so I mean, like, here's the thing. I would break that down, right? Like, the way I kind of described Dawkins' wrestling is it's very American wrestling grappling based. Like, there's a certain type that comes with that. You know, he's going to be pushing mm -hmm. forward for those doubles, those powers, uh, takedowns, and he's going to be trying to take you down and control from side. You know, is he going to be looking for subs at all times? No, maybe run some ground and pound. I'm sure he'd be looking for some rear naked trokes so he can get your back. I just think that's going to be his crazy forte. But what I like about Soul's Fist is he has that technically sound grappling. You know, Europeans seem to be really, really fond of like the judo styles and the throws and the sweeps and, and the sneaky submissions like there seems to be difference in, in, in you know technique there finesse versus kind of like mm. raw power and, and and that kind of part of it so I mean not that there isn't technique to wrestling because it's one of the most grueling things and I wish I could actually take it up but I probably have a heart attack uh, but again it's just it's really different and I think when you mix in the submission game like that European style seems to make it very comfortable with dealing with American wrestlers. Yep. So going back to your question, yeah, and I guess it really was you know, kind of a yeah, it was kind of a it was kind of a loaded question there because you know looking at my history of Dustin, what I've seen of his, you know, he's he does get a lot of submissions mm -hmm. in, in the end. You know, mm -hmm. a lot of his recent victories have been by submission, you know, chokes that kind of stuff. So mm -hmm. I, I you know that arsenal is still there, mm -hmm. right? And it's very sneaky. Like, that's right. what I mean, right? It's not that power style like we see from these American wrestlers and stuff like that. So that's yeah, what I like about finesse. him. Yes, because so the way I break this fight down, Pies, is if you have a guy that's like very American, power double, you know, single takedowns like at all times, well, the one thing that kind of scares me against a guy like that is the people that can sneak in the submissions, that can maybe look for, like you said so eloquently, like the McKennas, who find those nice little moments on those powerful American wrestlers. To take advantage. To take advantage mm -hmm. of those finesse technical moments in, in, in jujitsu slash, you know, judo and jujitsu have a very, very close relationship from taking it to the ground, from taking it from standing to the ground and stuff like that. So we see that in a lot of these fights when you have the American versus the European. Absolutely. And so, yeah, let's let's hold you accountable here. What are you thinking for odds? Give me a favorite and what you think that number is gonna end up being. Yeah, so playing this game with you, I mean, Okay, I think this makes us accountable even in the long run for myself because it makes me pick who I think is going to win. And so, Solfus has to be the favorite and it, ha it can't be my much. I'm going to go minus, one minus 125 for Solfus. Is there a way I can give you like a minus point in this game? Why? Dawkins is a minus 265 favorite. Yeah, see, like even in the notes, see, I have him way higher. Ah, I just, I think Solstice can win this fucking fight, man. Oh, that makes yeah, me so happy. I mean, that's that's part of the point of this game, right? Is that, you know, now we're seeing the true value here. This mm. guy should not be a plus 220 here. That's really interesting. Win or not, he, win or not, he should not be a plus 220 here. Wow, that's really crazy. Wow, so that's actually, uh, that's actually blowing my mind a little bit. Um, that's going to be an interesting one. Yeah, so stay tuned for that one. We'll, you know, we're going to take a look at it a little more in depth, but seems to be some good value on the dog there. Well, I think I'm already taking Solfus right now. Yeah, <laughs> as we speak.
And so up next, we have Alan Joben versus Jared Gooden. You know, this is a, another welterweight bout that we uh, have between a couple credible dudes. Joe Ben comes in with a 16 and 7 record. Jared Gooden, the night train, he comes in at 17 and 4, looking beastly. You know, what do you got for us here? Yeah, so I mean, Jovin's coming off of a massive injury. Uh, so, you know, he's been in the UFC since 2014. Okay. Don't really see him fight much. I was uh, going to say, I haven't, you know, his last fight is a couple years ago. So we haven't really seen him fight that much. And so he's making a comeback now. A uh, few losses via finish, which scares me against, you know, the bigger, like, heavy-handed striker that's going to be coming in there very hungry on that UFC debut. He's got pretty good experience on the regional scene. So when I'm looking at uh, Gooden, I'm seeing things that, that make me a little bit happy with the leg kicks and the striking. But he's a bit slower than I would expect uh, when I'm looking at some of the tape okay. from the regional scene, which tells me, you know, really good fighters at that weight class might be able to kind of out-pressure him and, and, and kind of outstrike him just based on speed alone. So that's where I was kind of a little worried. Mm -hmm. Have you seen any uh, tape of Joe Ben, you know, since his injury? You know, how do you think that's going to affect him? He did, he, I think he tore his ACL or something. Yeah, so I mean, the, to be honest, the only tape I see of him is working the fucking desk with all the boys uh, with the UFC. So in terms of training, I don't really know what's out there, but I can tell you that he, he works the desk fairly well as probably the prettiest man in the uh, UFC. <laughs> and so in terms of odds, you know, kind of what's your lean here? Uh, I kind of like Gooden as the underdog there with, the, uh, with probably a, a good plus 150, plus 180. I, I just don't see him being a favorite at all. Okay, so Joe Ben, give me give me your line. You, you think he's the favorite? Give me your line. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I mean, let's go with uh, minus one sixty. Boom! There you go. Right on track, buddy. Why? What is that? So he's mean? minus one thirty-five. He's, oh, okay, uh, he's okay. minus one thirty-five favorite. Yeah, yeah. You hit that one perfectly. That's uh, not perfect. Minus one thirty-five. Hey man, we're giving you a fifty-point range, and you're only off by like twenty-five. So I got it. I, I, I think <laughs> that's good enough. <laughs> and and so yeah, given that line, you know, anything that stands out to you, exactly kind of what you thought. Uh I just don't see anything in this fight that makes me want to take either guy. I guess if I'm thinking about it from a better's uh, perspective, but. Uh, I mean, you can tell by my, by my excitement alone of talking about this fight. Like, I just, you know, I, I'm not seeing anything that tells me to take Jobin at, at even that one, minus 135, but even Gooden, you know, not enough juice for me to take you either. I mean, I, I don't even know if you told me the, the line for that. What was the line on Gooden? He's, he's plus 115. Plus 115. So, like, that's my high-end range mm -hmm. anyway. So, like, I have no interest in any of that. Yeah, absolutely. So, let's just move on from that one. Uh, up next, we got Nicholas Dalby. He's a nice Denmark man fighting Daniel Rodriguez. Uh, Dalby, you know, he's looking to get back on track. Mm -hmm. He actually just came off of a loss to Jesse Ronson. And, you know, Daniel Rodriguez sits there with a sparkling 13-1 record. He's coming in hot fire. You know, this is going to be a great one. What do you have for us here? Yeah, so Dalby was supposed to fight the other Koshi brothers. So that's who actually uh, Rodriguez is stepping in once again on short notice. He was supposed to fight uh, Brian Barbarina last week. And so that actually worked out really well for him. Okay. He was probably in, in camp 
uh, for a week prior to that. And it's so funny because I told you the same thing about Strickland, right? He fought within a few weeks and, you know, we were talking about like, isn't that kind of a bad thing for a fighter to go right? But technically speaking, you were just in a camp. You went into a fight where you took barely any damage, where you were basically singing lullabies to him in the third round. So, you know, <laughs> that's like just going to another, you know, extensive training camp, if you will, and then getting right back into it and taking the fight again. So that's where I think, you know, Rodriguez isn't really at a disadvantage in that sense. And his fight with Dwight Grant, who who seemed to have a bit of a come up as well in the UFC after, you know, Dan White's contender series, he's he beat him too. So that 3-0 UFC record again, another one in 2020 that we're seeing um, against a guy like Dalby, who is actually fairly well favored in that fight against Ronson and got tapped out in the first round. I think he's going to have a really tough fight with Rodriguez. You know, he's got pretty good size really good size for that for that weight class and so i think dobby's going to be looking for the for the leg kicks and the striking but rodriguez is a gamer all right and so that brings us into our fun little game here and so you know it sounds like you have a lean on who the favorite is where do you see that number lying it's funny because it it takes me back to the last fight right like rodriguez is my who, who i really want to take in this fight and do i believe it's enough for vegas to judge the line the same way in this case I mean, I have to say yes based on the UFC showing recency bias, right? So, you know, give me a minus, uh, give me a minus 160 on Rodriguez. It is a minus 335. Yeah, perfect. That's me hoping and dreaming. I know, I know, but you know, it's a good parlay mixer for sure. But, but here's the thing, like um, going into more analysis of that fight, I mean, that's that's a fight where I would definitely encourage an under, you know, uh, in terms of both mm-hmm. fighters, like really trying to either finish or get tired and see something kind of sneaky happen in the last couple in the last round or last couple of minutes. This is kind of one of those fights where you can get it. And it's so funny to hear that kind of line, you know, playing a game like this now because you can hear the opposite. But then when you hear that, it's like, yeah, you suspected that. I mean, <laughs> it's like it is what it is. <laughs> it was definitely a hopeful. It was definitely yeah, a hopeful to get yeah. some good value. And we always but, have a couple of those, right, uh, where we know we want to lay them ourselves. <laughs> I know. So, yeah, stay tuned for that one. It looks like, you know, we'll be including Daniel in some parlays and looking at that under and maybe even a Daniel finish. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I, I just can't help but feel like that's the fight that's really setting the pace for what should be a fun card. All right, so this is where the card starts to get super juicy. It's juicy now. I see the He doesn't mean that flowing, sexually. So. He doesn't mean that <laughs> sexually. Uh... Funny thing is, in my mind, I was like, oh, juicy fruits, you know? And you went straight to get there. Yeah, I mean, you know what? That's two peas in a pot <laughs> if I've ever heard it. <laughs> And so here, yeah, we got uh, the older Shoshenko sister. You know, we know the legend that is. Mm-hmm. And so this is the older sister. Mm-hmm. You know, she has a still very formidable eight and two record in the UFC. Mm-hmm. Um, she is coming off of a tough loss against someone else we'll see later in the card in Catlin Chikagan. And, you know, she's fighting somebody who I know, you know, you got a lot of information on. I'm looking forward to it. (laughs) Super cute, very cute girl, Ariana Lipsky. And yeah, I'm I'm really pumped for this one. 
Oh man, and you couldn't have introduced that better. I feel like I got you pumped up by talking to you about it the way I have. I mean, you've got a video ready to fire up, so let me kind of give you a bit of a breakdown. Let me spit off, first off, what you said. That intro is so beautiful, so I just have one joke. I just have one punchline I want to land, you know, the way he said it, right? Uh, Antonina Shevchenko, the older sister. And I mean, let's be honest here, in comparison of the two, like looking under his belt, the only thing she has going for her, at least as an MMA fighter, because I can't begin to tell you how good her sister is in comparison. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you know, like it's Venus and Serena, man. It's I, Venus and Serena. It's so funny. I mean, I could make a joke <laughs> there too, but I'm gonna keep that one to myself. Um, <laughs> so uh, realistically, I think. I just don't even know, you know, if, if you had a swimming pool, shallow end, waiting pool, deep end. I don't even know where the older Shevchenko sister really belongs yet because, you know, when you even look at some of the wins that she has, I mean, I, I would never call anything fairly fluky or lucky in this because everything is based on a mistake at this level. But again, mostly wins by decision, uh, not the best success against above average or good fighting. Um, you know, we talked about Catelyn Chigagin a few weeks ago, right? Like she she openly said in an interview that she just started working on her grappling and Shevchenko <laughs> was the person that she landed her first pro takedown on. Like that is a big deal to me wow. and not in a good yeah. way. So no. looking at this fight from a comparison perspective, I just think, okay, I don't even want to ooze yet about Lipsky. Like, I just want to kind of break down why I just think like this has potential of being the most lost, you know, playing into Paisan's game. We're going to figure out a name for that soon. But, um, you know, this has the potential to be the biggest underdog favorite on the card. And if it's just name alone that plays into it, into that, so be it. So let's talk about our girl. I mean, Pies, anything you want to add about Shevchenko before I get you just, like, drooling and oozing right now? Yeah, well, I, th- I think, you know, looking at her history, you, you said it best, right? She gets <laughs> a lot of boost because of the name and the relation to her legend sister. Um, but nothing really convincing in her arsenal so far. Nothing that's really blown me away to be like, all right, she is a beast, you know? Let me start getting you drooling now with, with our girl, uh, Ariana Lipsky, right? So, you know... She's going to be the aggressive fighter. She's going to bring good grappling. I mean, her last win was his first round submission by knee bar. Like, I'm not joking, people, when I say ladies MMA is starting to get very fun. Paisan is, you know, prime witness now. And so mm-hmm. our girl here, are her only two losses, even at her age, Joanna Caldo and Molly McCann, I mean, these are very respectable decision losses. And I mean, when you're pushing in just the age of, like, you know, 25, 26 years old, I just don't see you know, anywhere where this fight, she's kind of the losing fighter. So, like, let's take a look at it. I mean, you've watched the the, the, the Chukagian-Shevchenko fight. You remember those takedowns? We kind of rewatched those highlights together during the show. Yeah. And, and it, it, the, the simplicity there, how slowly Shevchenko moves. Like, let's compare her to say, you know, this is from, you know, 2016. So it is a bit of ways, but, you know, this Werner fight is what put her on the map. It's what got her that KSW fame. You know, she's now one of the biggest fighters in Poland after this fight, because right after Immortal FC, she gets signed to KSW. She ends up winning their title, defending it a bunch of times, makes her way to the UFC and, you know, the rest is history. And and now we have this 26 year old, you know, crazy girl who is just trying to become the best in the world. And so, 
if you're ready, let's fire this baby up. Yeah, let's fire it up. I'm going to hit play in three, two, one. Beautiful. So I, I know I know where you're looking right now, but, you know, eyes up. Like, stay focused. <laughs> so, like, right now, you can tell, right? Like, you know, Werner is the one in the middle and kind of controlling that octagon, as they say. But you can notice Lipsky is constantly moving, right? Like, just by moving yeah, constantly and, to that side, she's slipping punches. Yeah, and her counter is solid. It actually, uh, you know, it reminds me of that Paul Felder Dos Anjos fight. As it was going, you know, Felder was really aiming to control the octagon by staying in the middle. Um, but Dos Anjos movement, his counter, all that kind of stuff kind of negated the fact that he was in the middle. Very well said, because his goal was to kind of push you against the fence anyway. So Felder mm -hmm. really needed to kind of keep that going. So, you know, he tried his best and, you know, great Ooh. show on him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, look at this reaction. You know, I love that. a girl. Uh, you know, uh, she's, 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 she's a beauty. So, you know, like... Oh, I, what joy. Yeah, like I kind of wanted to show you that because the reason why that fight is just so important, you know, we kind of talk about it, but KSW is a pretty big feeder organization for the UFC, especially right now. Mm -hmm. There's no coincidence that a lot of the fighters out of Poland are just making their way to the UFC right now. And, you know, after this fight, it basically catapulted her into that, that realm of, you know, big time uh, MMA fighter in, 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 in Europe and basically headlining, you know, title defense after title defense in KSW, which is, you know, really impressive for her age. And now she yeah. gets her chance, you know, before 30 to kind of get into the UFC. Make her, yeah, make her name in the UFC for sure. And, and what about to do it against, right? Someone with such a big name, you know, a lot of people are going to be watching this one for sure. And so, you know, <laughs> moving right into our kind of favorite segment here, but... Uh, Your favorite segment. You know, Pressure's <laughs> on now. Yeah, it doesn't <laughs> seem like you're enjoying it that much, but I'm thoroughly enjoying it, so... Um, do you have a lean on the favorite? And if so, what's the number? Uh, so, without question, uh, just... You'd have to be crazy for the name alone to, to, to just stand up to what we just witnessed. You know, that was her literally, you know, let me actually just make sure I'm right on that. That fight happened four years ago. That was a 21 year old girl, uh, just, just to put that in perspective. So, you know, uh, I think the favorite for me is very obvious. So I would like to say Ariane Lipsky, and I would like to say that the line should be nothing, nothing lower than minus 320 and if she's a dog in plus money pies we're putting everything on it everything everything wow all right well it looks like uh let me just fire up bet 365 right now and just go lay this because uh <laughs> yeah based on that name shevchenko is the favorite she comes in at minus 155. no yeah we're actually getting plus 135 on uh lipsy here no way Paisan, this game is going to give me a heart attack. This game <laughs> is going to give me a heart attack. My <laughs> God. Um, yeah, so, I mean, the, if, if, the way my head is kind of spinning to kind of analyze how many ways that Ariana Lipsky can lose this fight, um, I just... The volume, like, she could get tired... That's the only thing I see against us. But for us, it's just the output. The, uh, 
Oh, wow, Pies, I'm excited, you know? (laughs) Yeah, so, you know, wrapping that one up, it does seem like we're going to be taking Lipsky here. Great value there. Take it now before it moves because, you know, looking at those weigh-ins, I do think this is one that's going to move closer to a pick Let's get that underdog value in early. Good God, Pies. Wow. Let's go, Irian. I'm in your corner. You know that. Chick, chick, pew, pew, pew. <laughs> so up next, uh, you know, we got Mr. Joaquin Buckley, also known as Knockout of the Year. We saw him with the most phenomenal knockout on Impa. Prior to that, he had a very tough bout against Kevin Holland, who we're very high on as well, <laughs> up and coming in the ranks. He's taking on Jordan Wright, who, you know, I got to give a shout out to his nickname because it's one of my favorite <laughs> movies, The Beverly Hills Ninja. You know, Chris Farley, Chris Rock, love that movie. Love your nickname as well, in turn. Mm-hmm. He comes in actually with a, a perfect record, 11-0-0. I do believe he has a draw in there at some point. And uh, Buckley comes in at 11-3-0. and or 11 and 3 and 0. Mm-hmm. Um, We've seen him most recently impress the world, so... Kind of give me a little more information on Mr. Maybe Jordan Wright here. Yeah, so like, great. Like, let's start with Wright. I think this is one of those guys where you don't, you know, the package really doesn't represent, you know, what's inside kind of thing. Um, he, he's really good. Uh, I think what we've seen over the last couple of fights in terms of the all-around skill, the precision striking, he just doesn't come off like someone that, 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 that can be that dangerous. But the Beverly Hills Ninja, you know, that caught my eye immediately the first time I kind of saw him fight. And I just think that <laughs> this is a great matchup for him for one reason. You know, like, let's dive into Buckley. Pies, what have we, you know, learned about tall strikers, you know? Yeah, I mean, they, they I mean, they go for knockouts, but they open themselves up as well, right? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of exposure there. And, you know, we kind of saw that with uh, Joaquin and Kevin Holland. Mm-hmm. You know, he was really trying to go for that hammer that fist that ending the fight and it it got him in trouble with uh you know against impa he was able to land it beautifully with that kick Mm -hmm. and that kind of got him the knockout but you know it does open you up to some susceptibility for sure Mm -hmm. and you nailed something that i wanted to bring up because while i do agree with you there's one thing that i kind of want to also point out there it's like we talked about this you know heading into the impa uh, buckley fight both of them are very close in size, that is not a fight where uh, Buckley had to go in and kind of deal with a lankier, taller fighter. Whereas in these fights, unfortunately, he does seem to have, um, you know, that Tyson uh, dilemma of really having to like get in. And unfortunately, when it's not boxing and you can get kicked in the legs or kicked in the head, it's a bit of a different ball game. And so what I'm kind of thinking here. Uh, it's just, you know, Buckley's just such a beautiful striker, but he's a striker. I do think that Wright has a beautiful ground game that he can bring to the table. I think there's a lot that can mm-hmm. kind of play against Buckley here. Yeah, and like, like you said, right, uh, the, the Beverly Hills Ninja has four inches of height on him. He has four inches of reach on him. Mm-hmm. He's going to do his best to keep that distance, make sure he doesn't get one of these big knocks take it to the ground, use that advantage to, you know, to his benefit. Mm-hmm. Because the big thing is like a guy who's already fought at light heavyweight to, you know, kind of fight at this weight class, have the distance on a guy who needs to kind of get it in close and look for those big power shots. No question, you know, if his goal is to kind of 
clinch up top and things like that. Buckley has definitely shown that you cannot be getting too close to any of his limbs because those are going to be <laughs> flying at you. So, you know, ducking <laughs> too hard at, at, for those takedowns or getting in too uh, recklessly in the clinch to kind of get, you know, a good body lock or anything like that. I mean, it's, it's going to cost you. So, you know, while Wright mm -hmm. might have a chin and has proven that in previous fights, I mean, you know, we've seen what Luckley and Buckley can do with the right timing, speed, and space. Yeah, especially if we're referring to the men as Mini Tyson, you know? <laughs> so, there is a lot of hype around Joaquin. We know this, you know, mm -hmm. everyone in the world saw that knockout. Mm -hmm. So, you know, in terms of odds, kind of where do you see this landing? Uh, so, brrr, I just, I can see this being an easy fight for Vegas to analyze and put right as the favorite. I just can't see him not being the favorite based on game plan here. Uh, and so if I had to pick a line to kind of hedge myself to maybe get some of that plus range, I'm going to say a minus 115, because I don't think he can be worse than a plus 130, but let's go with a minus 115. So, you know, the hype train is real, man. Okay. The world saw Joaquin, and it is reflective in the line for sure. He comes in at a massive minus 270 favorite. Wow, 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 wow. Yo, Pies, mm -hmm. Pies, uh, let's play my game now. Let's, let's, let's play the uh, plus money uh, spin the wheel here. So are you telling me that uh, we're going to be looking at Jordan right at something like a a plus 170, a plus 180, maybe? 215. Wow. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> this game, I tell you, my word. <laughs> By the main card, yo, I'm going to shrivel into, like, a ball of absolute, you know, just mush, just not knowing what the <laughs> hell is going on. This is crazy to me. Yo, if I'm wrong about these fights, then I'm really wrong. You know, like, that's the worst part. <laughs> but, you know, honestly, just thinking about the analysis, knowing some of these guys, I think we're going to end up, you know, watching some of these fights and being like, you know, win or loss, they should not have been this big of dogs. Mm -hmm. And the hype train around Joaquin is really driving that. Well, you, you kind of said it really, really well there, right? Because, like, if you look at some of our losses over the last few weeks, other than Tanner Bowser, I mean, all of them are plus money dogs that we're taking straight up, mm -hmm. you know? Like that, that it really is kind of where we're seeing some L's. So you said it best there. And right now we do find that this could be a card where there's some heavy, heavy juice in our favor. And so I'll tell you right now, I don't think I'm going to be, at least for the last two that you showed me, I don't think I can stray from my pick if I'm being quite honest. Um, I love what Buckley no, the value is too good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because like I thought Buckley could get a max minus 140, minus 150 as the juiced favorite. But what you're telling me mm -hmm. right now is kind of incredible because 270 is too much. Mm-hmm. Kevin Holland's a great fighter, but the way he was able to utilize like longer kicks and kind of you use jabs to get some power shots off. I just think you know, if he's able to set up takedowns and things like that, Buckley is not looking like a close to minus 300 favorite in this fight. It's just, I don't see it. He will be very strong, Perfect. but, you know, we'll see how this goes. Which we know. We we, we know the man's strength. Mm -hmm. That's not in question here. So <laughs> stay tuned for that one. But, you know, I, I do think we see some value in the Beverly Hills Ninja. I 100% agree. 
All right, so rounding out the preliminary card, we got the Battle of the Brandons here. We got Brandon Moreno taking on Brandon Roy Val. And, you know, we've seen a lot of tape on both these guys recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, both of them, I'm sure, beat your son more recently. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Shout out to you being from New Zealand and not from England or Australia. Uh, just a little side jab at DC and uh, <laughs> here, but... Uh, yeah, you know, we're, we're a little familiar with Kaikar France and, you know, his recent bouts. And both of these guys were able to take him out, which is a big feat. Mm-hmm. We've seen Brandon actually fight quite a few times. Tim, Tim Elliott, we've seen him fight recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, Casey Kenny, who's showed up multiple times in these preliminary cards in the last few months. He actually lost to Casey Kenny, which is, you know, a very formidable fighter as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so, you know, there's a lot of credibility between these guys. I'm really pumped. They both come in with pretty stellar records. 17-5-1 and one for Moreno. Mm-hmm. I believe it's a 12-4 and four for Roy Val. Uh, and, you know, I'm rooting for my boy from Colorado here. So, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and you have a good, your, your heart's in the right place. Let me just say that. So, I mean, I think this has, <laughs> this has all the potential to be the fight of the night. And if this was billed as, say, a regular cards main event for five rounds, I would be excited as, and let me explain why. Um, <laughs> both of these guys just go in there swinging. The thing with Marino, he's a little bit more raw, but he's got technique to his madness. You know, he does like to come in. He's got mm-hmm. a chin on him like you would not believe. Uh, it, it's it's just his his tough fights with Alex Pantoja is what made me love both of them. And the fact that these two have two fights against each other is kind of like weirdly adorable because if you follow that season of <laughs> tough, which was a really good season. And the fact that these two did fight each other, they were, in my opinion, two of the most exciting fighters to come out of that season. And so now you have him going up against a guy like Brandon Royville, who, you, like you just said, most recently beat my son Kai Carfrance. The reason why I call him my son. <laughs> my son's name is Kai. And yeah, I mean, it was a great fight. You know, but I'm, let's give Kai Carfrance's credit. He, he definitely got his his fair share of some rockage there, right? Uh, it went both ways, and I think. Royval was just a little bit more creative in the heat of the moment in that one uh, fight. You know, it, 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 it could go. I think that fight could have easily gone either person's way, gone but at the same way. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, I think Royval proved that he was ready for whatever came at him, and it required Kai Kara France to be a little bit uh, to the next level. Because if there was one thing I found that um, our boy Kai was kind of struggling with was the length. I did find that it was tougher for him to land those power leg kicks. It was a bit tougher for him to kind of get in with those quick one-twos to kind of set some of those blows up because he, by trade, really does like to strike, you know? That's what he's looking for. He's looking to knock your head off. Um, And and both of these guys are like... Yeah, absolutely. And and so I think, you know, this fight originally was pegged as Moreno Perez, who, you know, we'll kind of see in the main event later. Mm -hmm. And so... You know, in terms of Roy Val taking this kind of as a short notice fight. Well, like, isn't that crazy, Pies? Like, like, let's just, like, let me just kind of, like, break that down for you. Even just, like, as you're kind of getting used to watching so many fights every week, right? Like, take that in right now. We had a Cody Garbrandt uh, Figueredo main event pegged for this, right? Mm -hmm. You're telling me that what was maybe a prelim main event, now the (laughs) person who is... Obviously, the higher-ranked fighter, let's hope, was promoted to a title fight. You know, that, 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 that's kind of crazy, bro, wouldn't you say? 
Oh, it's mind-boggling, and I, I also don't think that this should be a prelim card because it's going to be an insane fight. But my it's, God, yeah, it's my crazy God. to see that. <laughs> it's crazy to see that Perez gets that opportunity right into you know the mm -hmm. main event, and, and deservedly, right? Hundred percent. We'll get into that, but it, you said it perfectly, deservedly for sure. So let's even go back to these guys, right? So Marino is at the caliber or at the position to be fighting for, let's say, a uh, a title shot. Now, that fight, like I said, has every chance of being the fight of the night. If anything drops out of the main card, you can bet your bottom dollar that that fight is going to be on the main card. Uh, it's probably the number one contender fight for the winner of the main event of the, you know, UFC. I was going to say, yeah, it seems like the winner here is going to get a title shot soon enough. Without question. And, you know, if, if there's one thing we've noticed, you know, there's a reason why you're going to notice so many people that have fought each other or whatever fighting on same cards, right? Because like from a scheduling perspective, it really just all lines up, you know? So right now, yeah. the USC is a perfect opportunity to have the main event on the prelims go down. Whoever comes out the least bloody and less broken brained gets the winner of the main event. Because yeah, so, <laughs> someone's losing blood in that in that in that uh, in that uh, prelim main event. In terms of odds here. Who's the favorite and by how much? I think Royville has officially proved that he belongs in this division and likely is the next title challenger. Uh, that's the thing with Moreno, right? There's a reason why the fight went to Perez and not him. I think he was in a position to fight for a title shot, but I think he's being given the true title challengers to kind of gatekeep and see if he can beat them. So with that mm -hmm. said, I do think that Royville with the with the finishes of Elliot and France and, you know, a decision lost to Kenny as recently as 2018. I mean, I have to give him the favorite here and to again, hedge myself. I do not believe that Royville can be plus money here. I simply don't. So I'm going to give him uh, a range of say minus 150 on the dot in case he hits that minus 200, but I just don't think he can go that high. I have, a feeling, I have a feeling you're going to fall out of your chair right now. No way. <laughs> this game is just going to continue to rock you. But, yeah, <sighs> uh, Moreno is is a favorite. He's a medium-sized favorite. He's about minus 190, almost at that minus 200. No way. Mm. Wow. Wow. Yo, Pies, this boy is not getting the respect he deserves. Should this uh, title card be coined UFC Juicy Dogs or I'm what? shaking, Pies. Pies, I'm shaking. <laughs> Pies, I'm scared. Pies. <laughs> scared or excited? <laughs> uh, it's, it's crazy because the juice you're telling me on guys that I'm pegging at, it's like, did everything just go out the window? Did all my skills fly out the window now that you introduced this game and you screwed up all the all the nerves and all the things that run to my brain? Well, you now? see, that's one way of looking at it. As the bet, the way I look at it is a ton of value. All you're telling me is that there's a ton of value on dudes who have a good shot. I love okay. the dogs. Man. Okay, so as we finish up with this prelim card, let's do let's have some fun with this, right? Punch in, open up Bet365 right now. We're gonna keep shouting up Bet365 for all of their lovely hard work and help that they give us. But let let's punch in a Royval, uh, a Royval right and Lipsky parlay. Let's see what that what that pays. I'm just curious. So we got Royval. 
we got Lipsky, and we got Mr. Jordan right here. Whoo-wee! What are we looking at, my boy? This is uh, nearing, it's nearing plus 2,000. We got plus 1947 here. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that means you lay 10 bucks, you return 194 profits. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. so, you know, for me, this, this, this new game is really playing into some deep, deep <laughs> thoughts here, right? Like, well, you could like, you know, I, I, I'm borderline speechless. I'm very much enjoying it from a fun perspective, but we were borderline making a living on calling these fights. So I mean, <laughs> I hope we didn't just throw a fork in the road, but again, I'm Mr. <laughs> Pessimist, you're Mr. Optimist. So let's uh, let's get the energy back up, my friend, because that yeah, parlay looks Stay beautiful. tuned. Yeah, we're, we're likely going to be on the raw dog royal here. So stay <laughs> tuned, but I think that's one we're going to lock in for sure. Mm-hmm. So now we're going to kick off the main card. It's yep. a beautiful main card. A lot of history here. And, you know, to quote history right here, we're going to kick it off with Mauricio Shogun, who, uh, you know, somebody that even I'm very familiar with. I remember even playing UFC game with this guy so much and just <laughs> trying to submit man. So, you know, I, I'm pretty pumped about this one. This is a, a rematch with Paul Craig. You know, they did go to a draw a mm -hmm. few fights ago. Both of them, you know, rebounded with wins and now we'll be facing off again. So, you know, there, there's a lot of good stuff in this one for sure. Yeah, so it's funny because I want to take you on a quick trip down memory lane here. And the only reason I want to do that is because if you think about what we've seen in 2020, despite this world burning around us, true MMA fans have had the pleasure of watching Lil Nog and uh, Shogun and Silva all fight in the same year. Shogun's about to fight again. Mm -hmm. um, like let's let's take in that these men's. If you really know the history of MMA, the UFC, and what pride represents in all of this, like even for a guy like Dana, who as a fan knows this man, I know for a fact as as a, as a thing of buying pride as a fanboy, he was probably giddy as hell. Not only buying the promotion, he like owns the promotion. His, the fighters are coming and fighting yeah. with him. Like, could you think about that? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's such a like, it's such an amazing experience. Yeah, from for a them. business perspective, it's just yeah, it's so enticing as a business perspective for sure. How funny is that? And so, what I wanted to kind of tell you is like, so back in the day, right? Pride, huge deal. Wanderlei Silva was the shit of the shit. Shoot Box mm -hmm. Academy. Okay, this is one of the camps in Brazil. So who is kind of like the prodigal son of Wanderlei Silva and his whole shootbox team? There's actually two guys, Anderson Silva and Shogun Hua. Also, Shogun. you know, there's Ninja Hua, which is Shogun's brother, but Shogun is an absolute monster, okay? Now, funny enough, for whatever reason, you know, there's probably big reasons for it, Anderson Silva decides to leave. Where does he go? Brazilian top team with the Nagira brothers. So. This is back in the day. So in the come up of all of these Brazilian guys, when Wanderlei Silva is just destroying the competition and becoming the biggest name in MMA out in Japan, he, these guys are all kind of, you know, coming on a rise. It's kind of crazy. And you have, you know, Anderson, the Spider Silva kind of turning his back on his original team and joining the Nogueira brothers. Like, 
this is this is MMA history, man. And we've watched all of these guys kind of hit the octagon in the last year. We watched even Nagara fight Shogun to a split decision. Kind of a funny fight. Obviously not the same as what we watched in Pride. But I mean, you know, speaking of which, like I sent you a clip, right? Like this is the Shogun that was unleashed in Pride. You ready to go? All right, I got it up here. Yeah, let's go. Three, two, one, play. Whoa. You seeing this, bro? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yo, half the shit he was, like, half the oh. shit he. <laughs> half the shit. Yo, these kicks are unreal, man. Yo, half the shit he was good at, bro, is illegal now. You cannot attack the face like this. Like, you can't, you know, <laughs> kick a downed opponent in any way. And this guy made it a an absolute career. There was no one better at it than him. These mans were animals, all of them. And like, Just yeah, straight we, knees to the face while a man is down. I love it. It's insane how good he, and the thing that made Shogun so good, like, you know, I just went on an absolute binge, bro. An absolute binge. So actually this is Pride Bushido 5. If I'm not mistaken, he fought at Bushido 1, 3, and 5. So this is technically his third real major fight um, as like, you know, an early 20 year old. His first loss was against this guy, Renato Sobral, who is a legend in, in just the game overall. And so this young prodigy, his early 20s, is now just entering pride in its like infancy and just doing this to men's. This. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, it just, it blows me away. That's, the, I mean, that was pretty, pretty interesting <laughs> to see. I'm not that kind of familiar with Pride, you know, back in the day and stuff. But this definitely seems like a league I would definitely be on board for, given, you know, the, the flexibility of the rules. <laughs> they're, they're legitimately fighting in a boxing ring now. 100%, you know? so man. There, there's a lot of different factors that come into play there, but you know that dominance by Shogun, it, it got me excited all again, all over again. Yeah, and it's like what I didn't want to do is get you excited for that Shogun to show up because, I know. like, it's funny. This is thirty-eight-year-old Shogun. Yeah, we've it, seen it with Silva. Yeah, it's just it's kind of sad, right? But at the same time, like you know, I have this like underdog story of how I think Shogun should kind of be considered one of the goats of the entire sport. When you look at his come up, you kind of do the research of that Brazilian story and how legitimately he came out the, the star of all of those guys if Pride didn't kind of fold the way it did. Uh, you know, Silva struck gold, if you want me to be completely honest with you. Mm -hmm. Like, let me break it down for you just real quickly. Like, you know, Silva came into the UFC, kind of took on those Lieben style fighters. The way Silva fought was perfect for the UFC. Such a technical striker with power and, and very quick movements. Uh, the things that Shogun was doing in Pride that made him so good, while they are illegal and questionable, even morally, <laughs> I'm sure, but, you know, they were called soccer kicks. There was a move that they did you know, called this. So you can't really hate on that if punches to a downed opponent is the same thing. I mean, yes, we came to our fucking senses and said, yeah, a man winding up and kicking a man in the fucking face when he's lying on his stomach is kind of brutal. So the UFC is like, nah, 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 the, the sport won't sell in the US if you do this, you can't do it. So not only are you taking away Shogun's best attributes, but who's in his way at light heavyweight? My God. <laughs> You know, he basically didn't 
bother with the middleweight division, gave it to Silva. And John Jones, unfortunately, you know, Shogun had his little reign and lost. So it's just funny, but you you have to accept that what is intertwined in Shogun's career is direct competition with the two fighters we consider the undisputed goats. If you don't like Mr. Ride or Die, GSP. So, I mean, yeah, so going into what Shogun's going to have to do now, years later, I mean, yeah, we're painting a different picture. We know what's on the table here. Um, but I really did want to take you down this, like, trip down memory lane when it comes to pride and Shogun's history in the sport and just how big he was before everyone had to just transition to the UFC. Like, it's actually insane. Yeah, and that memory lane yeah, clearly got you very choked up. So. Yeah. Oof, sorry, guys. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've been on a little bit of a binge for the last few days trying to research these fights whenever I get that time, if you know what I mean. Oof. Yeah, absolutely. What and a so, legend. You know, jumping right into those odds here with Mr. Paul Craig versus Shogun, who's the favorite and what you got? So the thing about Paul Craig that I really want to touch on uh, before we really get into the odds, I feel like we didn't give him much time after that Shogun spiel, but he's such a phenomenal grappler, right? I feel like the striking's getting a lot better. We saw it in his last fight. To go to the draw with, you know, obviously the aging Shogun is still very, very good for a guy who is trying to get better when it comes to UFC level striking. And you obviously know what I mean by that. <laughs> mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, and you know, we're, we're going to see that on full display this Saturday for sure. And mm -hmm. so in terms of odds, who, who do you kind of see as the favorite in this one? What kind of number peg stands out to you? You know, I think Shogun's on a bit of a run here. I, I like what he's been doing, but it, it's just, I think it's a lot closer than maybe, like, I personally think this fight is really close. So even to kind of, again, um, sprinkling and I mean, they, they, they fought within the last year and it went to split decisions. Right? It, it <laughs> That's what I mean. That's that, what I mean. So it's like, I'm almost, it's like after that whole spiel, it's like, let me just go with Hua with the heart in mind, but then I will put him at a minus 105 for obvious reasons. Ooh, so given the dog, he actually falls right into your uh, 50 point basis range there. So, you see uh, what I did there, Paisane? You see what I did there? I do, I do, I do, I do. <laughs> this guy's trying to save himself some more heartbreak for sure. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the the Bear Jew actually comes in at a minus 170 favorite. So uh, Hua is a plus 140 right in that range that mm -hmm. we talked about. Wow, that's so funny uh, that it falls right in there. And so, I mean, you know what? Your game proves to be correct. It's it, it really, if you ask me, do I see value in the line for Shogun? Of course. He's proven to be a gamer. I, I believe that he can grapple with some of the best fighters. I really do. What I'm worried about Shogun is chin. I'm worried that all of those blows over those years of just legendary fights with so many legends, it's taken its toll. You know, he gets clipped. He looks rough, but... You know, he doesn't look that bad in the later rounds when people kind of lose the power and that, you know, Energy. tip in there or that uh, edge in their step, if you know what I mean. <clears throat> and, you know, he, he's still coming in hot. You know, it's not like Silva, who, you know, has been losing a lot of his recent fights. Uh, who who uh, fought, you know, Paul Craig came into a split decision and has won his other two fights in his last mm -hmm. three. So, you know, he, he does have a little bit of momentum on his side. 
The one thing I'll give Silva credit in that point is that the level of competition that I feel Silva is, is willing to take on versus who's being kind of fed to Shogun. And that's nothing against Shogun, right? I just think that when you compare the weight classes nowadays, as you move down in weight, they only get better. And so unfortunately, mm -hmm. the light heavyweight division is kind of a little, it's a little bleak. And so Shogun kind of has a bit of an easier way right now, at least to to what is maybe a contender spot or, or a title shot. Uh, but on the flip side, again, with Silva, I mean, he's taking on guys who are legitimately looking for title shots. Like these are not sludges. Yeah. These, these are great fighters. <clears throat> for sure. And so yeah, stay tuned for that one. We do see a little bit of value in the dog mm -hmm. there, but we'll be able to finalize that one closer to Saturday. <laughs> All right, so up next, we we got somebody who we're you know, pretty familiar with now in Catelyn Chikagan. We've seen her fight a few times. Uh, most recently, we saw her fight against uh, Andrade and get you know knocked out. Nice body shot there that killed her. Uh, she's taking on Cynthia, uh, Cynthia Calvillo, also another you know very credible, formidable fighter. <laughs> Comes in 9-1-1 one one record. <laughs> Uh, has you know won three of her last four. The the one that wasn't a win actually was a draw um, against Marina Rodriguez. Mm -hmm. In her take on Courtney Casey, take that one you know to decision and a unanimous decision. So you know this one is going to be a great one for sure. I'm glad it's on the main card. Yeah. So I mean, this is where we're kind of talking about some of those not only highly skilled female fighters, but some with you know relative title implications, fought really good competition in the past. The thing that I feel like we're selling out Chukagian so badly by bringing this point up, but I feel like we have to blame her for kind of saying that. But I mean, the one thing I'm, I'm going to kind of say about Cynthia Calvillo here is she comes from Team Alpha Male. They pride themselves on their ability to kind of work the grappling, work the takedowns, get some ground and pound, you know, work some rear naked chokes and things like that, right? If if Cynthia Calvillo can work past the distance striking and, and some of those like shots they're gonna you know that Catlin's gonna try to use to keep Cynthia at bay, it's gonna be a terrible fight for her. I think it's gonna be very very tough. The thing about Calvillo, you know, this is the one thing I want to kind of mention. You know, she had huge trouble making weight uh, when she was a straw weight. You know, she missed it a few times. She even got pinched for weed when it was illegal. So it's unfortunate, oh. but like she's had yeah, she's had kind of a an up and well, an up and down career at some points. And so it, it's kind of unfortunate, but um, like, I think there's a really, really good game plan for her to win. And I do have a lot of respect for her coaches, you know, coming from your right. Yeah, and honestly, unfortunately, it's, it, yeah, unfortunately it was the point that I was going to touch on as well, right? Is that takedown defense versus, you know, the wrestling of Cynthia Calvillo, if she's going to be able to kind of, take her down and insert that dominance on her because mm -hmm. here's the thing with cynthia like i even did a quick little uh just i want to research some things about her because of how much we know about catlin chukagian now but looking mm -hmm. at cynthia calvia's ufc career stats i mean her defense is actually quite phenomenal i mean she averages about two takedowns and i mean striking defense is at 66 percent and takedown defense at 69 percent at 69% wow. defense on takedowns in the UFC on average against a fighter who just recently got her first takedown against, against you know, <laughs> Antonia Shevchenko. Like, that's a big deal. I think that's going to be such a massive dominating factor 
for Cynthia now, like I said, the one thing she's going to have to get past are the strikes. She's going to have to get past the distance kicks, the, the body kicks and things like that. And so just be careful because the striking is obviously going to be the only real disadvantage on paper. So <laughs> that's where. And so, you know, queuing that right up into the right? odds. Yeah, <laughs> I figured. Yeah. Favorite and number, please. Uh, I'm going to say Cynthia Calvillo, and I am going to give her just a flat minus 200. Boom. 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 No handshaking on this one, man. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, she comes in at that minus 215. Mm -hmm. It's right in line with our analysis. If she, you know, goes by her strategy, is coached well, and sticks to her guns, I don't see a reason why she doesn't win this one. You know, keep mm -hmm. that distance for the striking, take her down, ground and pound, you know, keep that dominance on the wrestling aspect, and, you know, you'll coast to victory. For you sure. kind of said it perfectly, and, and, and I will say, my guy, if there was a fight where I had to pick, you know, from a pick'em perspective, the lock of the card, especially right now as we go through the card, I just mm. don't see where Cynthia Calvillo is not the lock on the card. Okay. Right? Hey. Yeah. All right. You know, that gets me excited. So. Mm -hmm. I really don't because I just like, even if we kind of flip, you know, the four inches, I just keep, I keep bringing it up, right? The four inch height and the reach advantage. Like, I just keep bringing up the same thing that will be the disadvantage. But I do think that she's going to be able to get past those strikes. I just, I just don't see it being um, a, a difficult thing for her. And that's where that yeah, the, rest, the wrestling is going to play way bigger of a part than the reach, for sure. Mm -hmm. All right, and that takes us into Mike Perry versus Tim Means here. We got Mike Perry coming in at 14-6-0. You know, Tim Means, he's been around for a while. I've definitely seen his name pop up a few times looking at his record. You know, mm -hmm. he sports a 30-12-1 record, 36 years old. He's been around this game for a long time. So, you know, getting onto this main card, it's going to be an exciting one for sure. Mm -hmm. And you said it best, right? Like all of that UFC experience. So let me just start quickly with Tim Means because I did like what I saw in the last fight. We took him straight up. Uh, that was one of the locks I thought for the card. Uh, from what I saw, I think he had all the all the uh, offensive uh i would say you know advantage in everything it was throughout very obvious fight. throughout yeah. the fight because there was a moment where like i felt like he even got rocked and this is why i like some of the old school guys who who do take those punches and know that some wobbliness might be coming or <laughs> they're about to get you know one more shot and they're they're kind of screwed like he had that he had moments where there was moments to kind of mess up a little bit worse and he didn't you know, he kept the point striking going. He kept his game plan intact. And that's what I love about those kinds of fighters, especially when we're talking about picks and things like that, because you can predict the only aspect of things that is, in my opinion, the biggest unpredictable factor, right? Is a fighter going to follow what his coaches tell him to do? Now, are his mm -hmm. coaches good enough to figure out each fighter? That's like, that's all part and parcel of that process, right? And so in this case... I do think Tim Means is going to be the smarter fighter. Now, speaking of smarter fighters, what do you know about Mike Perry? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, the the one thing that stands out to me in looking at his history was that loss against Cowboy Cerrone, you know, somebody who we follow a decent amount. And so, you know, he did get submitted by Cerrone with the arm bar. You know, he, he's actually not coming in 
too heavy. He has two wins in his last five, six bouts. So, you know, he will be looking to prove himself. But, you know, looking at his, even his height, his reach, I do think he's a bit undermanned in terms of size here. <laughs> and so here's the thing. <laughs> it's funny, at the end of his last fight, he actually almost, it was like an opposite open invitation. It was like a call out to other camps who, who he wanted to be invited to and be like, hey, I'm happy to come train anywhere. Just give me a shout. And it's like, well, buddy, you, you're you're kind of a head case. Like that's that's a lot of baggage to take on. And <laughs> by, by no means, if I'm a professional coach, do I say no to anybody? But at the same time, like that is some baggage to take on. Some of the things we've seen recently, we're talking as, as ridiculous as fighting, you know, people outside of a restaurant as far as punching them slash making contact wow. with them like he's one of those guys right like he had he had what seemed to be a fairly normal looking life with one of the girls in his corner but you know that ended uh there's something going on there now he's got this new girl and i don't know if you remember but mike perry is the guy that kept just one single female in his corner who is not a professional coach so he basically had his <laughs> his girl as his <laughs> cornerman have you not seen this highlight? Yeah, he, he likes his eye candy, man. I don't, I don't blame him, man. Have you not you, seen this you're highlight? You're fighting a man. You look over, you're like, oh, there you go. There's my motivation right there. I mean, without the drama, bro, uh, I used to really like the guy, right? Because there was like this hood aspect to him that you kind of felt bad for, like the come up and all that stuff. Like those mm -hmm. stories we all love, right? But then it starts getting a little kooky. It starts getting a little Greg <laughs> Hardy-esque, you know? Like that's that's that, that's when things start getting a little dark for me and and it's hard for me to be in your corner so to analyze from a skills perspective good wrestling good grappler likes to be up against the fence uh he's always going to throw shots with power so he wrestles with power he punches with power he's got good combos body strikes things like that but he's short so he fights also like a tyson you know he's going to throw some kicks but again distance will be a problem i think uh yeah. Tim Means is, is primarily a distance striker, so you're going to see Perry constantly trying to run in and, and try to land big bombs and things like that. So I hate to say it, but I think Perry does land in the puncher's chance realm because Tim Means should be able to kind of, you know, at least dictate his own pace in terms of, you know, landing strikes and, and getting out of the way of, of big power takedowns and being up against the fence for too long or being in dangerous mm -hmm. spots. I just don't see him being out outsmarted in this in yeah this. and kind of doing his best to control the ring for sure <laughs> and so in terms of uh the lines here who do you see as the favorite and it's so funny right because i now feel like i want to start picking based on who i think the public is going to take because that's what kind of you know in this mini game burned me with with buckley right uh, i do still <laughs> see value in taking jordan but at the same time like i, I do believe the public play is pretty massive there so Looking at this line, it's really tough for me because, again, I saw it being very close, but I am going to go with my heart and say, I think Tim Means can win this fight. And Mike Perry can still be a favorite for those reasons. So similar to how I've been picking, the smart line here would be a minus 110 for Mike Perry. Yeah, so I mean, exactly what you literally just said is it sums up this line perfectly. Mm -hmm. You know. Tim Means does have a good shot at winning this, even coming in as the underdog. 
Mike Perry is a slight favorite. He's about minus 145, mm-hmm. uh, bringing Tim Means in at a plus 120. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it seems like there's good value there for what we essentially mm-hmm. are calling a pick em fight. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, hey, guys, based on my notes, based on the ranges that I usually put down for us, if there was a fight that you could say, like, I know it's within the, 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 the like our mini game range as well, but in terms of everything else that goes into kind of calling a fight, I don't know if there was one that based on, You've, you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, I just. It's been more accurate. Yeah, sure. there's there's a, there's a confidence factor there. And I think the cherry on top for me is, is actually hearing a plus 120. I think I actually see some value mm-hmm. there and taking Tim Means at a plus 120 because I, I just think this is a pick and fight. And so if I'm getting Perfect. the Mike Perry opponent who can distance strike and grapple pretty well and maybe avoid some good power shots, there's a good chance there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so, yeah, stay tuned for that one. But it does look like we do see, you know, a good amount of value mm-hmm. on Mr. Means there. Of course. Means to an end, my friend. <laughs> Let's hope. <laughs> And so up next, we have the superstar sister, the Shevchenko superstar. She's taking on Jennifer Maya, another girl that we're pretty familiar with. Um, you know, we can't say enough about Shevchenko's record. Mm-hmm. You know, she comes in just hot, hot fire, dealing with everybody in her, in her way. She's 19-3-0. This is a tough bout for Jennifer Maya. You know, she's a very credible fighter. She is coming off of a loss against Chikagan, who we, you know, keep touching on. Um, and that, you know, that one went to decision. But, you know, this one, it's going to be a tough out for her. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, can you say any more than that? Let me just give Shevchenko a huge call out here. Because here's the thing. I don't mean to be hard on her sister, but for the same reason that she's getting so much bump in the line is the same reason I have to very much separate the two. Because when we look at Valentina, we're looking at the only woman who might be able to compete with Amanda Nunes as the greatest female MMA fighter of all time. And the only reason she can't is because she lost to Amanda Nunes. But like, here's where I really want to put some focus on her career. Because when you look at the loss, she lost a split decision to Amanda Nunes at bantamweight, okay? Has never lost since and basically got the flyweight title in that process as well. So if you think about dominant champions right now, at flyweight we have Shevchenko, at bantamweight we have Nunes, and Nunes also went up and won the next title anyway. So like Nunes is the undisputed number one. There's, there's, There's no question. And I've actually been saying that for years because it's just a different, different, different lion, let's say. Um, with with Shevchenko, I think we're in the same headspace. And mark my words, Paisan, when we talk about the best female fighters of all time in the UFC, there's only two we talk about. And that's Amanda Nunes and Valentin Shevchenko. There is no close third. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. There is no close third. There's only two. And all you fanboys yeah, and all you other bait. wrestling fans can stay at bay. <laughs> Yeah, based on the utter dominance of those two ladies, you know, I have to agree there. And, you know, it would be great to put, you know, someone like Holly Holm in that category, but that dominance just isn't there the mm-hmm. way these two ladies have. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so this one, I'm going to give you a little bit wider of a range in terms of the odds, because this one could be I all knew I was getting so funny, bro. <laughs> this one is I was all gonna, over the place. <laughs> I was going to ask. I was going to be like, 
Yo, I have a pretty good range and I have a funny range because if you look at my notes, I clearly was joking around because I jokingly put minus 999 because just, <laughs> just making it a three digit favorite <laughs> on, on, on this card was the most bump I could give Maya. And with that quickly said, let's talk about Maya, right? We know her primarily, Lauren Murphy. That's actually a fighter that we did quite a bit of research on. You actually had a back and forth with her on Instagram, which is kind of hilarious, but in a good way, in a good way, no question. But like even in her press conference, right, after she won, she talks about how she's kind of undefeated in the last little bit. She talks about how Maya's fighting for a title right now and doesn't really seem to deserve it. So, you know, there are people kind of lined up to take on this fight now. Are they Shevchenko ready? That is really up to coaches and fighters on their own. Is anyone Shevchenko ready? That's what I mean. (laughs) It really comes down to like everything else that you put in front of you as a fighter but you know in, in this case you know I, I have to side with lauren a little bit right like it is tough to kind of uh put uh, something like a, a title fight beside maya's name right now but the thing is is that i give it for two reasons one she's one of the biggest names that you can kind of hope for from like an old school mma perspective one of the better names mm-hmm. second thing i mean the who's who of the experience is also where like you can make a statement you know I just don't think there's enough people in line right now to get a shot without seeing people fight a bit more. You know, at least there's an argument for this if you had to give it. The rankings are there. Mm-hmm. There's some lost fights. But at the end of the day, like these are fighters that are fighting each other at the top tier of that division. And so I think that's where yeah. she's getting that. Whereas Lauren Murphy has not been doing that. No, for sure. And so where do you kind of see this landing? Yeah, so like, or was just, was the minus nine ninety nine year? Well, it's funny. <laughs> I mean, play, as my, it's funny as my like Price is Right play. I mean, it's kind of funny, right? Like, if I could guess something with an over one dollar, yeah, one dollar, right? yeah. And so no, but like, I think there's enough movement to suggest some some multi billionaire was like, whatever, you know what? Let me just put twenty million on minus uh, eleven hundred. So I actually think that this might even be minus twelve hundred by now. I think I, you get it. You get it. We gave you a little bit of a uh, wider range, and you got it. Minus thirteen hundred. Probably oh, the biggest uh, favorite I've seen in the UFC. And it's funny. The only thing I've missed was how quickly that might have sped up because I can only assume it opened at a thousand. If not, my joking mm-hmm. price is minus one hundred. And, and, and the fact that it moved like that, yeah. So you know, kudos to that multi-billionaire who's going to make. You know, a few hundred thousand on his multi-millions. <laughs> <laughs> and has essentially moved the line 300 basis points against us. So. Mm-hmm. And, and, like, there was nothing you were going to do there but take the finish, right? I, I think she can finish there. That's a five-round fight. If I see any type of juice on the unders, I think those are ones where you can even just ride the two, three, four. We'll see how many we're willing to take, but based yeah. on the juice. But, you know, there's some fights that that's been a really, really, really good hit. And so keep that on the docket uh, moving forward as well. And that moves us into our main event. We got uh, Mr. Figueredo here, somebody that we're very familiar with, mm-hmm. sporting that pristine 19-1-0 record. Uh, he's coming off of a few, you know, very credible wins against Benavidez, um, you know, really vaulting him as the champion in this category. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was actually supposed to take on a different fighter in uh, Garbrandt, I believe. Mm-hmm. Cody, yeah, and, we talked about him a little earlier. It's sad we missed out on that kind of 
you know, Marino yeah. ends up fighting Brandon Royville, and now Alex Perez steps in, which is kind of crazy, right? And, yeah, and he gets the fight against Figueredo. Uh, mm-hmm. Garrett kind of, I, I believe, tore something in his arm. So, mm-hmm. you know, unable unable to take this one. But, you know, it's still, you know, shaping up to be a real nice bout. Perez is coming in hot, man. He's, you know, since making his UFC debut, he's 6-1. and one. Mm-hmm. He's won, you know, six of his last seven, three in a row. His only loss is to Benavidez, who we actually just mentioned right now. And so, mm-hmm. you know, if, if there was a contender to get moved up that I'm actually really excited about, it is Perez. Isn't it funny, right? Talk about Big Joe being the prototypical, always a bridesmaid, never a bride, right? I mean, this mm-hmm. guy has taken down a who's who of flyweight contenders. The poor guy has had to deal with Demetrius Johnson, Henry Cejudo, and now also later in his own career, unfortunately, a very dangerous Figueroa. So, you know, my hat's off to him. Thank you for everything you've done for the sport, your career. You've made flyweight fighting um, as exciting as possible. And so, you know, that's that's where for me, it really sucks, right? Like we talked about Shogun even having to deal with, you know, Jones being the, the, the new contender at light heavyweight yeah. back then. But it really sucks, right, for him. So here's another younger guy about to go in after <laughs> beating three people after beating... Uh, after losing to him, now he gets the chance after, you know, Benavidez lost twice, as you already mentioned. So, you know, it's an interesting fight. I, I do like Perez's aggression. I do like the way he fights. I like the way how he's tight. I like the crispness. I like how he's going to try to mix it up a lot. The thing with Figueroa is he's going to be the longer fighter. He's going to be trying to distance strike, but he's also aggressive, right? Like we saw against Benavidez, is he picks his strikes really well. One thing I did notice is that he can get hit as well, you know? I think the right guy with the right amount of power uh, might be able to put some damage on him as well. So that's what kind of worries me a little bit, Figueroa. But when you look at this on paper, how can you how can you even differentiate? Like I'm I'm trying my best to kind of line up uh, a sound argument to kind of make the odds really quicker. But I don't know if you had a thought going into this before looking at the odds. But what do you think? Yeah, I mean, before even glancing at them, you have to give the respect to Figueroa, right? Mm-hmm. Even though, you know, there is credibility in Perez and what he's done in his short body of work. You know, this is a true champion. This is a guy who's put in that work. And it's it's hard not to side with him. Yeah, and that's kind of my thought process as well, right? When I look at who Perez has beaten, it, it really is a, a bleak division, right? So at the end of the day, mm-hmm. you know, you did lose to Benavides and he knocked you clean. So, you know, yeah. Figueroa is on an absolute tear since the loss. And, and I think he has what it takes to be kind of this new generation style champion where you're kind of longer, you're quick, very pinpoint accurate. Uh, if there's one thing that I'm going to say, Pies, is I, I'm curious what the lines are because I, I really... Uh, I do believe that, let's just say that Figueroa is the favorite for now. Um, I do lean mm-hmm. that way. Uh, it, but for me, it's just one of those things where it's such an exciting fight at flyweight. And when Demetrius left, you never really thought that these are the kind of fights you'd be getting. But you know what? The world does have to kind of move on. And, and it's pretty pretty amazing for us to get something along these lines. But again, like let's now dive into that line, right? Yeah, well, you know, your your instinct is right in terms of who is favored here. That mm-hmm. respect is gonna go to Figueroa, the champ. Mm-hmm. Um, five round bout, you know, that advantage advantage has to go to him. How large do you think that advantage should be? 
Yeah, and so, like, here's the thing. I, I The more I thought about it, I just didn't see him hitting the minus 300 range. So, with that said, I'll put him at a minus uh, 245. I think that's a pretty good range for him. So, I think minus 245 for Figueroa makes sense here in the main event. So, you're, you're just on the cusp of that 50-point uh, 50 swing here, but he is a minus 315 favorite. Oh, does, okay, okay. Yeah, so, it does seem like, you know, the, the replacement fight in Perez, you know, they're not giving him as much credit as maybe he deserves or, you know, maybe he doesn't. Yeah, because, like, I mean, he is a Dana White Contender Series fighter, and I, I'm curious to see how long it will take for some of these guys to get that mainstream um, especially those like longer serving fight fans who might look at that as like, oh, that's just lower level prelims. Like, why would I watch that? You know, yeah. um, it, 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 I think it, that is where it might be a tough sell. And, and, you know, I could almost guarantee that a minus 315 line seems like a funny opening line. I wouldn't be surprised if that line opened at minus 300 and got absolutely shattered. Mm-hmm. You know? Absolutely. And so Perez comes in at a plus 250 there. You know, I don't really see a scenario where we touch Perez. Figueredo is just too much of a professional for us to kind of fade him. In this well, situation. here, I mean, here's the thing, man. When I look at my notes right now, what you just kind of dropped on me is really interesting to look here because I, my max was about plus 180, plus 190. So what I'm hearing is mm -hmm. pretty, 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 pretty interesting. Um, I, I kind of, in terms of watching more tape on Perez, I mean, you know, We've seen what we've seen. I don't think that's really the question. I do think there's something to watch in terms of lines and weigh-ins, but I mean, that's a very interesting discrepancy, if you will. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And so, yeah, stay tuned for that one. We'll be locking that one in closer to game time. And so stay tuned for that as usual. Hit that bell button, hit that subscribe. Ding, ding, you know, ding, we ding. love all you guys. We love you tuning in. So continue to do so. We really appreciate it. Our Instagram is there. Our Twitter is there. Give us a follow. Give us a comment. Any questions you have, shoot them our way. And Siraj, thanks again for the breakdown. I'm really looking forward to this one. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think we probably had some of the most fun looking at this one together. You can break it down some of these cards and watching some live uh, little videos there. So you know, I'm really excited. I think it's 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 despite it not having the names people are used to, especially for a card dubbed as a pay-per-view with UFC 255, it, it's going to be good. It's going to be really, really good. Absolutely. Make sure you tune in, guys. We'll see you Saturday. Take it easy. Peace, my boy. Peace.